Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and it is President's Day. That means it's a holiday um, and it's not for others. And that's my computer doing crazy things here on this President's Day. Thank you for being with us today here on the program, especially as it's a holiday. As I mentioned, uh, this is the second holiday in the uh well, what's it, the Monday holiday bill, as it were. And this is something that uh, a lot of times we, we kind of get confused about. Um, that President's Day holiday is actually a little different than what we've been told. Um, and so I, with that in mind, uh, definitely want you to uh, you know keep an eye peeled for the fact versus fiction part of President's Day. Before we do go any further, though, I want to offer a word of condolences a word of condolence, I guess, or words of condolences uh, to the family and those especially who are uh, grieving the tragic loss of a local icon, if you will, um, here in Hacienda Heights. This was just a really a tragic story. Auxiliary Bishop David O'Connell uh, was in his home in Hacienda Heights Saturday afternoon around one o'clock. L.A. Sheriff's deputy says that they uh, uh, have found the primary gunman in the case, and uh, he wound up shooting uh, the bishop and uh, taking his life. And the thing that is so tragic about this to me is the fact, obviously, of course, a human life was taken, a man who'd given himself to the priesthood, had spent many, many years serving God faithfully in that capacity, but he was also a champion for the sanctity of human life. And as we think about the number of people who um, have been taking a stand for life through uh, the ministry of preborn over the past several weeks, we're coming up on Wednesday, uh, the 22nd, which is Ash Wednesday in the church calendar, but in the 40 Days for Life realm, 40 Days for Life is an outstanding faith-based organization that does uh, takes up the cause of human life um, from the standpoint of peaceful, uh, non-violent, if you will, non-confrontational uh, demonstrations, I don't like to call them protests, in and around uh, abortion clinics all over the country. And since pre-born launch, if, to, if you're... If you're looking for a little frame of reference, since preborn has been active in helping getting the word out to women who are expecting and don't know what to expect because they go to an abortion clinic and there's no, they'll do a, an ultrasound, but then they won't give you a chance to see the ultrasound. They'll just try to encourage you to have an abortion. Our friends at 40 Days for Life began these two annual campaigns, one that starts in Ash Wednesday and goes through Easter, and one that starts 40 days before what would be election day in most years and um, has a chance to, uh, uh, you know, prepare people's hearts and minds for that. The, all the signs, all the messaging are approved by 40 Days for Life. You can go to 40daysforlife.com, F-O, excuse me, 40daysforlife.com, and find a place where you can sign up. Uh, take an hour, go to a local abortion clinic and pray. Um, it's all peaceful. It's all solutions-based. And I think of a guy like uh, Bishop O'Connell, as kind of a reminder for us as how hostile the environment has become, especially post-Roe. Now, remember, California has the most restrictive. Um, it's virtually impossible for a child to be born without the threat of death in the state of California. I don't know if I can state that any more clearly. Abortion is legal all the way through all nine months of pregnancy. Literally, a woman could go into a hospital pregnant and in labor and still have the, um, literally it's toss a coin. Do you want to go into labor delivery? Do you want to go to an abortion site? And even after a woman has an abortion, if the abortion doesn't quote unquote take, 
for the next four weeks, if anything happens to that baby, no one will be held accountable if that child doesn't get proper care. Obviously, Bishop O'Connell did something. I mean, this guy was known as a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. He was not one of those straddle the fence, try to get everyone to go along. He literally worked to make peace between warring factions. And for someone to enter his home, break in and shoot him in cold blood in his house on a Saturday afternoon in broad daylight indicates to me that his work, especially with regard to the sanctity of human life, was getting to some people. Isn't it interesting how Molech works? The, the, the fact that it's legal, that California has been marketed as a tourist trap, if you will, for abortions. Come have your abortion in California, Governor Newsom said. He used campaign funding to support Proposition 1 to get this passed. Even though there was no threat of abortion ever becoming illegal, in California. <clears throat> Politically, there just wasn't the will. But Prop 1 doubles down, and then he spent campaign funds for his re-election campaign for governor and ran ads in other states. Hey, if you're in Texas and you want an abortion, come to California. You're in Florida. If you're a Florida Democrat, move back to California. This is a safe haven for you, quote unquote. Despicable. All the more reason why we in the body of Christ need to be more diligent and more loving and lovingly stand firm for the sanctity of human life. I want to thank uh, Thomas, who sent in a donation to Preborn earlier today. It's a monthly contribution that will save one baby's life every month for the next year. I want to thank, uh, uh, it looks like Grove in, uh, in San Juan Capistrano, who also made a donation of $280. That's a one-time gift. Every $28 donated to Preborn will save a baby's life. It takes $28 to put the whole ultrasound procedure together, and those $28 donations add up. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com, rogermarsh.com, click on the preborn banner and make a donation. Do so in memory of Bishop David O'Connell. The man served in the ministry for 40 years. I would like to see us save 40 babies between now and the bottom of the hour. Can we do that? $28 a baby. Every $280 that comes in saves 10 babies' lives. So we need four donors to donate 280 babies. Will you do that? 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229. Or go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com and you can make your donation there. I mentioned today is President's Day, and on the health side of the equation, we should also uh, offer our thoughts and prayers uh, for a uh, uh, final lap an alert, if you will, for former President Jimmy Carter, who, uh, the 39th president of the United States, the guy who just, he takes a licking and keeps on ticking. He was diagnosed with cancer eight years ago, I think, and at the age of 90, and he still, he got some treatment, had some surgery. He still kept going and still is keeping going. Over the weekend, I believe it was on Saturday, his family announced that though the president had been hospitalized for a little bit, he has now entered into home hospice care in Plains, Georgia, where he's been from. Uh, he has decided, according to the hospital uh, and his family, they say he's decided to spend his remaining time at home with his family and receive hospice care instead of additional medical intervention. 
Uh, they, he made the decision with the full support of the medical team and family. This is according to the Associated Press. They said they're asking for privacy at this time. They're grateful for the concern shown by his many admirers. Jimmy Carter is one of those fascinating men who he was the governor of Georgia. You remember what happened in the early 70s with the Watergate scandal? And here we were as a nation somewhat divided. Gerald Ford had been appointed vice president and then was appointed president. He was appointed vice president after Spiro Agnew was forced to resign, some tax fraud issue or something like that. And then, of course, Richard Nixon resigned. Gerald Ford became was appointed president by the succession rule. And then he appointed uh, was it Nelson Rockefeller to be his vice president. They ran for a re-election in 1976. And you figured it would be a shoe in They didn't have a chance because the Republican name was so tarnished. And yet they almost pulled off an upset against Jimmy Carter and Walter, Walter Mondale. Carter came in, and I remember, my, my mom's listening right now. Hi, mom. I remember my mother being a first grade teacher. And what first grade teacher does this anymore? She brought in a television set. She had been preparing her kids in her first grade classroom, Handy School in Orange, California, uh, for the inauguration. And she wanted them to see the inauguration of Jimmy Carter. Her mom was a big Richard Nixon fan. I don't think my mom really liked Republican candidates. So when Nixon was out of office and Carter was in office, she was all excited. And so she had the kids all ready to, uh, you know, basically they, they practiced understanding what they were going to hear. When he did the inauguration, he put his hand on his Bible, raises the left hand of the Bible, right hand of the air and say, I, James Earl Carter, uh, do solemnly swear to uphold the Constitution, whatever it was. And I remember she came home from school that day and she goes, uh, he said, Jimmy. I told the kids he'd say his full name and he said, I, Jimmy Carter. What the heck? Who has a president named Jimmy? <laughs> that was kind of the precursor for the Carter administration. It was racked with high inflation. Remember a prime lending rate of 15%? Remember getting 18% on your savings accounts at the bank? Boy, Dennis Wilson remembers those days. <laughs> We're not going to see that happen for a while. But then there was the Afghanistan crisis, and uh, he ran for re-election. Ronald Reagan ran against him in 1980 and just wiped the floor with him. And then he's, Jimmy Carter did something a lot of presidents don't do. He started engaging in public service, started working with Habitat for Humanity, and he spent the next, let's say, 42 years of his life as former President Carter, doing all sorts of good work and philanthropy, teaching a Sunday school class. Buddy of mine used to work for Coca-Cola in Atlanta, and he remembers going, not being a big Jimmy Carter fan politically, but Jimmy and Rosalind taught a Sunday school class, and it was standing room only. People came from all over the country. They did that right up until COVID. So thoughts and prayers for the Carter family, uh, Jimmy and Rosalind. Uh, Jimmy's 98, Rosalind's 95, and they are still going great guns, but it looks like now as my daughter likes to say, uh, daughter Kaylee likes to use the analogy of when you are entering the home stretch of life, it's the gun lap, like you came into the stadium, you've been running the marathon, and you're ready to cross the finish line and take your prize. But as you do, that great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, is cheering you on. And so, President Carter, even if we disagreed politically, I'm cheering you on as a brother in Christ to come across the finish line and finish the race. Well done, good and faithful servant. As we continue speaking of presidents, it is President's Day, or is it really Washington's birthday and we've been getting it wrong for the past 50 years? Well, the answer to that question is, yep, and I'll explain why on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You know, our friends at Preborn are doing such great work right now, telling the truth in love to a woman who's expecting a child. They'll show her the ultrasound image and say, there is your baby. I came across the ultrasound of my daughter, Emily, from 1987 
Good golly, we've come a long way with 4D imaging. You could barely make out that's a child, and now you can see faces and eyes and nose. It's so wonderful. Preborn shows that image to mom and then gives her a chance to hear the heartbeat of the baby and says, look, you have two real options for life for your child, either be a parent or adopt the child. And in a state like California where it's legal, you still have the legal right to abort. But 85% of the women who see that ultrasound at a preborn clinic choose life for their baby. Your $28 donation saves one child's life that covers an entire uh pregnancy test and ultrasound visit in a, a preborn clinic. And a $15,000 donation provides one ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY, it's completely tax deductible and every penny you donate goes to the ultrasound process at preborn. 833-850-BABY, $15,000 for an ultrasound machine or $28 saves a baby's life, 140 saves five. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or click the link for Preborn when you go to kbrightradio.com. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's Movie Monday. I neglected to mention that in the opening segment. Movie Monday today, and we have two outstanding movies that celebrate the sanctity of human life that you are going to love. We were hoping, there's a really great series on George Washington, our friends at the uh, uh, D. James Kennedy's Truth to Transform Ministries um, I have put it out. And we weren't able to get that in time for an actual broadcast today, but maybe next year. But nonetheless, two outstanding movies to talk about on Movie Monday. Later on in the program today, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Rose Reed, who plays Lee Daniels in a brand new uh, television series that's on Pure Flix. It's called A Thousand Tomorrows. It's based on Karen Kingsbury's outstanding novel, with the same name. It's a story of love and loss and dealing with long-term illness and even dealing with a, adult, a young adult who has uh, developmental delays, actually he has Down syndrome. Uh, it's a just a wonderful story. And uh, the series now, all six episodes are streaming at Pure Flix. And uh, uh, Rose Reed, who plays uh, Allie, is going to join me at the bottom of the hour to talk about this program, and you're going to have a chance to win free PureFlix subscriptions. So uh, if you want to get your name in the drawing right now, call 800-227-5278. See the benefits of listening early. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. And then coming up at 345 Pacific, 445 Mountain Time, Brandon Showalter with the Christian Post is going to join me. And see, we don't take holidays off. Are you kidding? <laughs> we are. Um, Brandon's here, uh, will be joining me in about a half hour. He has inadvertently, not intentionally, not by anything he was hoping to do, he set out to be a journalist at the Christian Post to make a difference for the kingdom with his writing. He started covering the transgender conversion stories of young people and adults who were saying, hey, my kid's having this done against their will. And um, all of a sudden, he just became a magnet for people in the church and outside the church who were saying, hey, look, this is happening to my granddaughter. It's happening to my son. I haven't seen my kids in forever because I'm being, you know, the school lied to us, that type of stuff. Brandon has written so extensively about this. There's a new documentary out called Dead Name. And Dead Name is the term that the people in the LGBTQ community, transgender especially, use for if someone is male who becomes a female, like my friend Laura Perry, uh, now she's... Laura Perry Smaltz, but uh, when she was Laura Beth Perry, she lived as a man for nine years, called herself Jake. If I had seen her and said, hey, Laura, how's it going? And she said, wait a minute, you know, there is no Laura, I'm Jake. What I did in the LGBTQ world is I dead named her. And this new documentary made by a documentary filmmaker who is not a Christian, but began to find a lot of families 
inside and outside the church who were impacted by it. And Brandon's one of the key contributors to the movie. So we'll have the interview up. We've got a link for the trailer for the deadnamedocumentary.com up at the bottomlineshow.com. And what makes this film so fascinating is they released it right before Christmas time on Vimeo and they put it up for anybody to watch. They just wanted to get it, give it out as information. And within a couple of weeks, Vimeo took it down. And the reason they took it down is they said it violated their community standards for decency and truth telling or something like that. In other words, it was so real talking about how the families felt. And, you know, when you get to the detransitioning people who tried it and decided they wanted to go back to their original gender, the left's only way of stopping the conversation is to try to talk it over or eliminate it. There's no dialogue. There's no disagreement. There's no debate. It's just, we're right, you're wrong. And if you don't like, la, 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 I don't want to hear you. So Brandon's going to join me at 345 Pacific, 445 Mountain to talk about dead name. And we're going to have a fascinating conversation about this. Happy President's Day to you. And of course, keep uh, President number 39, Jimmy Carter, in your prayers at 98 years of age. He uh, entered into hospice care over the weekend. And uh, we don't know how many more days he has left here, but we're trusting uh, with his faith being, as we've seen and uh, experienced, that uh, we'll be with him in heaven someday. That's for sure. Today is President's Day, but I learned over the weekend that I've been getting it wrong, well, all these years. 1971, President Nixon signed into law the Uniform Monday Holiday Act. The reason was basically to give more Monday holidays and three-day weekends for federal workers. That's, I mean, if you're a federal worker, you win. And if you're someone like me who works at a five-day week industry where you either have to work the holiday or you have to work ahead because you can't just take the day off, well, you know, welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the program. But during, it was right around that time that you started to hear the term President's Day come up and you have to ask the question, well, why? I'm a lifelong Californian, Southern Californian at that. So I can remember when we used to have two holidays here in the state of California. February 22nd, which is Washington's birthday proper, George Washington, the father of our nation, the first president of the United States. And then on February the 12th, it was Abe Lincoln, but the 12th president of the United States and the guy who gets all the credit for, you know, basically ending slavery in the United States, at least on paper. I mean, a lot of the reconstruction laws that happened over the next hundred years, Jim Crow South, et cetera, kind of shifted the terminology, but, you know, slavery took on a different format in this country, but Lincoln is widely and rightly recognized for the Emancipation Proclamation, 13th Amendment, etc. What's interesting, though, is President's Day actually did start out as George Washington's birthday. It was recognized by an act of Congress. Uh, Government offices starting in 1879 said, you know, it's his birthday, we're going to take it off. Federal offices then, by 1885, it became a federal holiday. But then a lot of people are under the impression that in 1971, when the Uniform Monday Holiday Act came into play, that all of a sudden we didn't celebrate Washington's birthday anymore. We celebrated President's Day. But where did we get that idea and how did we get it so wrong? Let's talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, President's Day here, uh, 2023 edition. And we call it President's Day, and many of us have called it President's Day since about 1971, when the Uniform Monday Holiday Act took effect. 
George Washington's birthday was recognized as a governmental holiday in 1879. All federal offices were able to take it off starting in 1885. But when did it become President's Day? Well, here's the interesting reality. It never did. Never officially. I mean, officially, today is still Washington's birthday. If you dig through the annals of American history, you'll find out that the Uniform Monday Holiday Act signed by President Nixon in 1971 took Washington's birthday and only all it did was it moved it to the third Monday of February. This was affectionately known as the Monday Holiday Bill, and it was designed to give banks and post offices and federal workers a uniform holiday. So they had the third Monday of February off, and then, of course, you had Good Friday or whatever off, and then uh, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, uh, Labor Day, uh, Columbus or Native Americans or Indigenous Peoples Day. We'll do a whole different thing on Columbus Day because there's a lot of stuff that people don't know about that day, too. And then Veterans Day in December. But interestingly enough, when the Uniform Monday Holiday Act was signed into law in 1971, the President's Day holiday was not invented. What happened was a lot of states that marked the celebration of George Washington's birth, who also marked Abraham Lincoln's birth because it happened in the same month, said, well, let's just call it President's Day. And that would be a compromise because, as you can imagine, there were a lot of people in southern states that weren't really thrilled with giving Abe Lincoln his own birthday. And I'll let you fill in the gap as to why they would be not motivated to celebrate Abe Lincoln's birthday. Here on the West Coast, we're like, yeah, way to go, Abe. You know, way to go, George. That's, I mean, that's great. But when the Uniform Holiday Act was created in 1971, it made Washington's birthday the holiday. President's Day is a euphemism. It just kind of found its way into the vernacular because there are a lot of people running around saying, well, what about President Bush and what about President Trump and President Obama and President Clinton? Aren't we supposed to honor them, too? And the answer is no. According to Bill Federer's research at AmericanMinute.com, which I highly recommend you do a deep dive in, he'll go on and on about the history of George Washington, which is fascinating in and of itself. And there's a lot said about the faith of George Washington. I know our friend Jason Yates and My Faith Votes has a whole series of uh, inspirational quotes up at his website, and I'll share a couple with them with you in just a moment. But interesting to note the fact that so many of us, present company included, we're of the impression that when they established the Uniform Monday Holiday Act in 1971, that Washington's birthday became officially known as President's Day, but such is not the case. By the way, if you're looking for a list of some of the, uh, go to myfaithvotes.org, and they've got a whole slew today of great lists of presidential quotes invoking prayer uh, that we can remember on this day. John Quincy Adams, the hope of a Christian is inseparable from his faith. Whoever believes in the divine inspiration of the Holy Scriptures must hope that the religion of Jesus shall prevail through all the earth. Abraham Lincoln, I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day. John F. Kennedy, the rights of men come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. Dwight Eisenhower, without God, there would be no American form of government. No, nor an American way of life. Recognition of the supreme being is the first most basic expression of Americanism. And then, of course, George Washington, it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. 
So happy Washington's birthday to you and to yours wherever you may be. And let's offer a word of prayer, not only for our nation, the people who are called to lead it, but uh, us who are called to follow, living out the examples that Christ has shown us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you for the opportunity to live where we do. It's far from a perfect nation, and we are far from perfect people, but you are a holy and sovereign God. And Lord, we pray that we would beseech you on a regular basis for what's good for our nation, what's good for our neighbors, and what's good for ourselves. And we know that ultimately that begins with repenting of our sin, confessing our sin to you, asking for forgiveness, and asking for guidance. On this day when we honor the first president of the United States and we remember everyone who's ever served in executive leadership, help us to be mindful that ultimately they that lead best bow the knee to you first. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. All right, let's take a quick break. It is Movie Monday, and the rest of the program we're dedicating to movies and your chance to win a subscription to pureflix.com to see the brand new TV series, sex episode series, based on the Karen Kingsbury novel, A Thousand Tomorrows. Rose Reed is going to join me. She's one of the stars of that. She's just around the corner uh, ramping up. I want to say she's getting on her horse and ready to go do a little barrel riding. Uh, that's part of her character, Alec Daniels, in A Thousand Tomorrows. By the way, if you'd like to get in on the drawing for those free subscriptions, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 That is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Also coming up in the next hour, Brandon Showalter talking about Dead Name Documentary. Two great conversations awaiting you on the other side of this commercial break as the bottom line continues in just a moment. Keep it right here. Life insurance will never replace the person you love, but that money can help you get through life when it feels impossible. When your life insurance claim is denied while you're already dealing with so much, you need someone on your side. Stephanie Cover of Coverlaw used to work for the insurance companies. She challenges and understands the way insurance companies think. Hire Stephanie to file a life insurance appeal while everything is still fresh in your mind. Don't let the insurance company get away with greedy behavior while you're in mourning. Stephanie Cover will do everything in her power to get you the financial protection which was promised to you as a beneficiary of the policy. The money from the life insurance proceeds can supplement your income so you can support yourself throughout the process of bereavement. Save Stephanie's number or call her now at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or you can fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Coverlaw. Stephanie Cover. she knows the other side. Stephanie knows the other side. She knows how the insurance companies work. She also knows what personal injury laws have changed over the past three years during the pandemic. And there's a good chance that you and I don't know them. That's why I recommend that you have Stephanie Cover on your side. Stephanie with an F, Cover as in cover, 877-214-4935 or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, a Movie Monday exclusive here on a brand new episodic series, as they say, uh, that's on pureflix.com right now. And if you're a big Karen Kingsbury fan, uh, you're going to enjoy this brand new series. The series is called A Thousand Tomorrows, and it's it's just it's beautiful. I mean, really nicely done. If you've read the book, they do a wonderful treatment of this in this episodic series. And uh, uh, Rose Reed is with me today here on The Bottom Line. She plays Ali Daniels in the uh, story of A Thousand Tomorrows. And uh, Rose, welcome to the bottom line show it's good to have you here today thank you so much i'm so excited to be here well we're glad to have you here because this is 
This is a story. Give us a 60 second overview. There's a plot twist in this, or I guess I should say a plot point in this that really resonated with me as the father of a daughter who has different needs. And I'm glad that this is a story that's coming to light because it does play a pretty big part in the story that you're telling here. Can you give us an overview of what the story is about? Absolutely. So the story is at its heart, a love story. We are doing all these exciting things. You know, we are, we're barrel racing and bull riding and it's, it's a rodeo TV show, but at the same time, it is just a romance and it's a love story. And it's about two people trying to heal wounds that they didn't even realize they had and uh, grow to, to be able to be in a relationship together. Mm -hmm. And it, it covers so many great themes, like themes of forgiveness, themes of, of bravery and faith, even when it doesn't seem like faith can be, can be useful here. And so it's, it, it covers this, this beautiful arc as these characters figure out what their wounds are, how to heal them, how the Lord might be able to heal them. And, you know, like you said, there, there is a, there is a plot point in here that, that is really important. And it's, um, you know, it's something you, you figure out pretty quickly. So, but, but I won't give any spoilers, but it is something you figure out pretty quickly in the series that, um, that my character, Allie Daniels is suffering with something and she is dealing with, with something and she's very mysterious about it. We don't really know what it is at first, but it's something that Cody is going to have to overcome. And it's something that she's going to have to overcome as well. So it's, it's a, it's an overcomer story. It's a, it's a story of, of finding love, finding faith and finding forgiveness and healing. Yeah, and that's it's beautifully done. Rose Reed is with me today here on the bottom line. And we're talking about a thousand tomorrows, the Karen Kingsbury novel that is now uh, on the big screen and also on the small screen as well. Uh, we've got a link for the uh, pureflix.com up at the bottom line show.com because that's where it's streaming right now. Uh, Rose, what's it like for you to step into a pro project like this? I mean, you know that the books are wildly successful, and you're and Karen is one of the executive producers on this. So now I would imagine you've got. Uh, maybe a little bit of pressure. Was she, was she on the set a lot, you know, kind of offering some uh, cre creative and constructive criticisms as she went along the way? Oh gosh. You know, I, I've done several book to film adaptations and I'm actually a massive book nerd. So well, I, I always get a little, yeah, it's, it's great because I'd already read, you know, most of these books that I, that I've been able to, to act in the film adaptations for, but I, I always get a little starstruck when I meet the authors because I, I just, you know, I'm so obsessed with their books. I'm so obsessed with their novels and everything. And unfortunately, because of Karen's schedule and how quickly we were shooting, she wasn't able to make it uh, to set, but I have gotten to meet her since then. And she was such a dream. It was so great to get to, to get to meet her. She is an absolute icon in the, in the faith literary world. And I'm, I, I was thrilled, you know, I've read multiple books of hers. So it was really exciting to be a part of that project. And it was also very daunting for another reason, because, you know, we are dealing with with some pretty serious issues that mm -hmm. uh, in, in this story that I wanted to be really respectful of. And that was something that I really wanted to make sure that I did my research on and I really understood before I before I got into the project. So that was a little daunting as well. Yeah. And, and it's kind of a double whammy for you, Rose, as an actress. I mean, coming in with Allie's character and the and the uh, the uh, built in uh, plot points that go along with that. But then knowing, too, Karen is such a thorough I mean, she. I, I met her, fortunately, about 25 years ago when she had just kind of come off of the sports writing thing and was writing some, you know, those novels. 
and the, her first wor works. And you could tell there's a tenacity. I mean, I, I really appreciate people who write uh, what Jerry Jenkins used to call faction as opposed to fiction, you know, where they say, yeah, this is a novel. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a contrived story, but you really do your homework. And so there are so many factually accurate things that are right. It's not like they're just making this stuff up out of thin air. And I think that's a, the tendency a lot of people have, but you give such a gritty performance in A Thousand Tomorrows that it really does uh, uh, it really does lend a lot of authenticity to it. What 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 was it like for you in terms of you know you're finishing up the project now you're watching it on the screen and saying oh my gosh that was exhausting or that was uplifting <laughs> or what what were the what was the range of emotions that you felt in putting this together? Gosh, I think it was it was such a combination more so than any other project that I've worked on. You know, some projects are really hard to work on and just really heavy, and you know this one definitely has its heavy bittersweet moments. But it was also very uplifting. It was very inspirational. I like to say that I I really learned so much from all of the characters that I portray. And so I feel like I learned so much from Allie Daniels. And walking away from this project, I I felt like I had I I had just this this zeal for life that mm. that Allie had. I was so excited to get home and you know, I, I do ride horses. I grew up riding horses. I, I actually grew up barrel racing, which is why well, I was so excited. I was going to say, I can tell you, you seem like you're very natural out there. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's not a lot of, I, 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 I have a, I was talking to David A.R. White about this and he made a movie where he played a guy who used to be a basketball player. And I said, come on, David. I mean, you know, really come on. He goes, no, my son plays. I, I got out there and I shot a lot of free throws, but it still felt a little awkward. Your alley character, it felt like you were right at home. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I, I just loved that aspect of the story that that I was going to be able to interact with those animals. Animals, working with them on set, I know you know they can they can be tricky for production sometimes, but mm -hmm. it, they're such wonderful assets. And and I really do feel like, like the the horse that played my horse Ace, which sounds crazy to say that he was a horse actor, but he really was. Oh, and they are. Yeah. He hit his marks so well. He knew exactly <laughs> what to do. He was uh -huh. fabulous. I loved him. If if they would have let me go home with him, I absolutely would have taken him home with me. Mm. Oh, that's great. Rose Reed is with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Our Movie Monday segment for this week, talking about a brand new uh, episodic tele well, television series streaming at pureflix.com. It's called A Thousand Tomorrows, based on the Karen Kingsbury work. And uh, you can see the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, it's not every day that you fall into a a part like this i mean where you you realize hey you can be this character and and you've got all these these different uh, uh attributes that are kind of just natural to you because they're part of your your background what was it like i mean the chemistry is really good on the set you can tell there's a good interaction between uh the other performers who were there uh what was there any one character point in particular for your alley character where you really felt a special affinity gosh that's such a good question I think there were there were so many aspects of her character that I really that I really loved and really felt bonded to. I think one of my one of my favorite aspects of her character is how how well she takes care of the people around her. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she's so she's so intent on taking care of the people around her that she that she's kind of taking control away from them and taking decisions mm -hmm. away from them. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I definitely do in my life and you know in, in my desperate attempt to cling to control in a world where I am completely out of out of control and control is right. just not not uh, in the cards for me or any of us uh it's it's hard to it's hard to let go of of control that you think that you have and that's something that that Allie kind of struggles with she really needs to figure out that 
you know, she gets to make her own decisions, but other people get to make theirs and she can't make their decisions for them. And so I really learned from her as she was going through that process of, of figuring out that, that she couldn't make decisions for other people and she had to let them make their own choices. And sometimes she wasn't going to like their choices. And that was such a, that was such a turning point for me. And I really, really liked, liked reading about that in the script. I was like, man, this is going to be a therapy session for me to go through and, and <laughs> yeah. realize that, you know, and it's, it doesn't, it never came from a place of, of, I want to control them for her. It came from a place of, I don't want them to get hurt. Mm. And she had to realize that it was, you know, it, it wasn't up to her whether they, whether they got hurt or not, you know, she can try to protect them all they want, but if they want to make that choice, that is their choice. And mm. oftentimes it was the right choice to make. So I, I really enjoyed learning that, that lesson from her. We're talking with Rose Reed today here on The Bottom Line. She plays Allie Daniels in the new Pure Flick series, A Thousand Tomorrows, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. The trailer is anyway. Six episodes of this series uh, available for you to stream. And I guess as they say in the uh, industry vernacular, to binge on and watch all of them. Just take some time, take a couple hours on a weekend and knock them all out. Uh, what is the uh, What is the hope that you have uh, for Allie's character for this project here that as people start to watch this, you know, especially in a world that's seemingly kind of going crazy with, you know, war around and the economy going kind of tail nutso and, and even, you know, balloons flying over Montana. I mean, it's just, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird time to be alive right now, but this is a project. It seems like that gives people a lot of hope. Talk about what you're hoping uh, that Allie and her performance here, uh, Rose, uh, bring to your listeners and your viewers. Yeah, I, I think something that that was so important to me and that I loved so much about this project and what I wanted audiences and viewers to take away from it was that, you know, you you do find yourself sometimes in these really harrowing situations where you don't know how you're going to get out of it if you're going to get out of it. And you come before the Lord and you, you, you know, you don't even think that he can do anything about it. And right. you you beg and you pray and you you ask that he that he heal you or that he, that he fix you. And sometimes he doesn't heal you the way that you wanted to be healed, but he'll heal you. He'll heal you nonetheless. And that's right. something that, that I, I loved about this, about the show, you know, Allie really demonstrates that, that, you know, she, she goes to the Lord, she asks for healing and she does find healing and she does find healing in a, in a really special way. And, you know, it might not be, um, it might not necessarily be the kind of healing that, that she wanted or she was expecting, but she found healing. And I think that that's so beautiful. I love how you describe her character, Rose, as someone who has an, maybe a, a control issue, but it's always coming from a good place, a place of protection, you know, wanting to keep people from being harmed, as opposed to some people are just like, no, I have to, you know, keep everything in control. And yet realizing that she, and you see this in the process of this, uh, this program, uh, comes to the point where she begins to realize, say, wait a minute, I can't want to be protected from the things that I understand if there's a greater healing available for yes. me in a way that I didn't understand. And so I, I love to hear you talk about the growth and I can I can hear it in your voice and see it in your, your eyes that uh, it really did have an impact on you. It absolutely did. It, it was it was one of my favorite things about the project. In fact, I came home and told all of my friends, "Hey, I'm done. I'm done trying to trying to take decisions away from you. You know, I'm, I'm just you know, I'm just trying to just trying to protect you." So I did feel like uh -huh. Allie was was this um, this character that I I was I was so honored to play her. I was so excited to play her, and she taught me so much. So I I really hope that that audiences and viewers enjoy watching it as much as I enjoyed making it, and maybe learn some of the same lessons that I did. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, even if you're not a 
cowpoke or you know have never been around a rodeo or something like that you'll appreciate uh the the themes here in the a thousand tomorrows which is the karen kingsbury novel adapted into a six episode series it's now available on pure flicks and it stars our guest today here on the bottom line rose reed who plays ali daniels rose thank you for sharing your time with us today and the work that you've put into this project and uh, i pray that uh, you continue to receive many blessings from the lord in terms of the next steps for you career-wise where else can we where can we find you on social media so we can follow you and see what your next projects are yeah absolutely i would love to connect with you guys my instagram is just my name rose reed r-e-i-d uh i'm i'm working on several new projects right now that i cannot wait to bring to you guys one of them is a new science fiction film that is brought to you by Angel Studios, who also nice. brought uh, The Chosen. Yeah. So I'm really excited to be a part of that project with them. And I would love to connect with your with your listeners and viewers. All right. Very good. Well, we'll make sure we have all the socials connections up at thebottomlineshow.com. Rose Reed, thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you so much, Roger. It was such a pleasure getting to talk to you. Well, a delightful conversation and a great uh television series uh, i really highly recommend a thousand tomorrows uh, that's on pure flicks and pureflix.com thank you rose reed who plays ali daniels in that uh, tv series it's six episodes so it's kind of a longer movie or a short television run anyway pure flix has made available some free subscriptions to pure flix because you have to pay a nominal fee every month to get pure flix but we like to be able to give you a chance to watch it for no cost at all. So give Crystal a call right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line show. Uh, get your Pure Flix free subscription uh, to w watch this outstanding show, A Thousand Tomorrow, starring Rose Reed as Allie Daniels. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, today is Movie Monday. And coming up next, uh, a special guest joining me to talk about another movie uh, that we don't have free tickets to. It's much shorter and not nearly as whimsical as A Thousand Tomorrows is. Uh, Brandon Showalter is a journalist with the Christian Post, and he is a participant in a brand new documentary called Dead Name. Dead naming is the practice in the transgender community whereby the person who says, I was male and now I want to be female, if you refer to them by their male name, they say you're dead naming them. The transgender movement is moving with swiftness and certainty in spite of the fact that it is causing irreparable damage to young people by the hundreds. Brandon is going to join me to talk about his role in this new documentary to get the word out about three families that are fighting back against this insidious ideology. That's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. This is an exciting time. We just finished our first movie. We had a great turnout from KBRT, and we want you to know that you're invited to the second one. Those of you who missed it, because we know there's quite a few who would like to have come, it's going to be on February the 25th. It's going to be at the Gem Theater. They're going to have free popcorn, free sodas, and free hot dogs. It's a fun location. It's a fun place to go and take you back in time. But really what it does is it's even more fun to get the information because the information that you get can really be vital to where you are now or where you're going to be in five years from now. And so when do you start thinking about retirement? Well, you better start thinking about it now. And, and so this will get you ahead of the ball, get you ahead of the curve. We can't emphasize enough that it is really a, for lack of a better word, it's a non-denominational movie. It's just there to give you the facts and let you disseminate how and what you're going to do with your future. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we have a special conversation about a very 
challenging topic, and it's a topic that has been gripping the headlines for quite some time, the issue of transgenderism, and specifically what happens when young people, and more and more young people, are wanting to transition, change from one gender to the next, having gender confusion, and undergoing medical procedures, uh, getting shot full of hormones and things of that nature that uh, you used to only hear about, but now it's actually hitting families uh, very hard. There's a new documentary film that's been made addressing this very issue. It's called Dead Name, and we will, we've will we got the trailer up at the thebottomlineshow.com. We'll get into what the dead name actually means in just a moment. One of the contributors of Dead Name is Brandon Showalter, who's a journalist with the Christian Post. And you hear me on the Bottom Line Show quoting a lot of Brandon's work and a lot of work from the Christian Post. He is joining us today from his offices in Washington, D.C., or I should say office. Do they give you more than one office, Brandon, or you just have the one to work from? Right now. We have this amazing newsroom here in yes. D.C., and it's very sleek. It's wonderful. I love working in here. Uh, it's good to be with you today, Roger. I love it. Well, it's good. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. How long have you been with Christian Post? Started in the summer of 2016. Wow. Okay. So things have changed. I mean, we know what happened in America in the fall of 2016, but mm -hmm. I mean, over the past nearly seven years now, uh, what's happened, especially with regard to this issue of transgenderism, has been nothing short of breathtaking. Um, yeah. As a journalist, you have kind of become my go-to in terms of when I'm looking for accurate reporting on the issue of transgenderism and and the stories that where it's actually hitting people's families harder and harder, you kind of have become, I don't want to say a lightning rod, but you've kind of become a safe haven for people who are saying, hey, wait, this is happening to my son, this is happening to my granddaughter, yeah. and I don't know what to do. Talk about how you kind of got into the fray of the transgender conversation. Well, there were several things that happened. Soon after I started in journalism in 2016, I started noticing, um, you know, the Burgerfeld decision that had legalized same-sex marriage nationwide had been on the books for about a year. And then all of a sudden it was just this full steam ahead transgender push. And what first alarmed me was how news coverage was adopting this Orwellian newspeak calling men she and her and females he and him. And I was so confused when I would read mainstream coverage of these issues and I couldn't even keep it straight because I was so confused. Why were they, they were overwriting language. They were using mm -hmm. this lingo that subverts our understanding of the material reality of biological sex. And I couldn't, I, I just realized, well, I'm a journalist and I just, I'm not going to write or report on anything that's confusing for readers to read because I'm confused myself. And so yes. there's no way, there's no way I was going to participate in any of that you know, journalistically. Uh, but then I, as I started going down, I started looking into that a little bit more. One of my editors asked if one of us would write about these conversion therapy uh, restrictions that were happening increasingly in certain states and locales. And I was hesitant at first, but I sort of felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I needed to take that on. And the rest is kind of history. Um, I, I learned about how those bans were being used such that if a young person was gender confused about their body, they couldn't be given any counseling to help them accept their bodies as they were, because that was considered of conversion therapy, and you had to fast track them to this distinctly medicalized path, which involves mm -hmm. such things as puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and body-altering surgeries to make your body look like the opposite sex. And when I learned that they were doing that to children, I, I just, I snapped. Something yeah. just, I was, I, I couldn't look away. I was just so viscerally horrified that I knew that, well, I have a job in journalism now. Maybe I yeah. can at least report on this and not adopt the lingo that the mainstream press is using and just speak truthfully. And because of that, 
families who were dealing with this started to notice and I started getting phone call after phone call, email after email, message after message. I've lost count with how many moms and dads have reached out to me in the last seven years who are absolutely shattered and that's not too strong a word. And as yeah. because of that and because of all those families and you know, that's, uh, that's actually how I wound up in this new documentary called Dead Name. Yeah, and let's talk about uh, the, the documentary was released on December 20th. It is now kind of vanished, at least from the original platform. I mean, there's still places you can watch it, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Uh, Brandon, talk about what it's an interesting title. It's a compelling title for those who are not familiar with the transgender lingo, as it were. Dead Name has a very uh, kind of a double entendre in terms of what it actually refers to. Talk about that. Yes, well, to dead name someone in transgender lingo, <laughs> that means to refer to someone by their birth name, the name that their parents gave them. Mm. They, if a person identifies as trans or some other gender identity, they say that their birth name is dead. And so their new name is often one of the very first steps they take in this identification process. They choose a name that corresponds with, it's more, more often used with the opposite sex. But um, as the filmmaker Taylor Reese has explained to me in my own coverage of the film when I did a review of it when it first came out, dead name is a representation of everything that families experience in this particular space. It's not just about one individual identifying as this other identity. It affects the whole family. Right. And it sort of breeds and destruction to the entire family unit. It fractures relationships. It ruptures family bonds. It brings death wherever it goes. Um, Parents usually choose a name for their son or daughter um, very thoughtfully. That's something they put a lot of you know, time into. What are we going to call this child whom we love? Um, and so then for a son or a daughter to call that name dead is, is very painful. Mm. And that's, um, but the, the film also involves, it, it, there's, a, there's a portion of the film, which I won't give it away, where you know, the concept of a dead name comes up in one of the parents. The film profiles three parents who have dealt with this in their family. And, uh, one of the one of the parents mentions what a dead name is and how that was relevant to his story. It was a dad in this case, um, but uh, it's uh, it really is kind of a it's just kind of a whirlwind of death that comes mm. into a family when it invades a home, when children start suddenly identifying as this other thing. And most frighteningly for parents, I think um, I know this is certainly the case for the filmmaker, but for all the parents, and this has been my experience is this medicalization. When you start to be experimenting with a child's developing body by way of blockers or estrogen for males and testosterone for females, and then surgery where you're removing physically healthy body parts, people get very, very scared and rightly so. We're finally starting to see some pushback in some states where people are waking up to the reality of what's been going on in clinics and in children's hospitals nationwide. Amazing. Uh, the research has gone into this documentary, but also the uh, horrible and horrific stories that we have to hear about. Uh, but stories that need to be told. Brandon Showalter, journalist with the Christian Post, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, Dead Name is the name of the documentary. You can find the link at deadnamedocumentary.com. Um, we have a link for the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. If you want to learn what's really happening to kids in preschools and elementary schools with regard to this transgender ideology, you need to see this film. We're going to take a quick break. More of my conversation with Brandon Showalter about this powerful documentary coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. 
Welcome back to this Movie Monday edition of The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, and boy, this is one of those, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times uh, when it comes to the subject matter. Two movies that we're talking about today. Of course, my thanks to Rose Reed, the star of the brand new uh, series that's on Pure Flix. Uh, it's a wonderful uh, six-episode television series uh, based on Karen Kingsbury's novel A Thousand Tomorrows, and uh, she plays Sally Daniels in that. We're giving away Pure Flix subscriptions right now. Give Crystal a call at 800 227 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, we are at the midpoint of my conversation about another movie. Uh, Brandon Showalter is with me today here on the bottom line, and we're talking about a movie that he he's a journalist with the Christian Post, and as he started doing research and investigating into this craze as to why so many young people are deciding to turn transgender, uh, Brandon started hearing from the families, parents and grandparents who weren't able to see their kids and grandkids uh, because they would, as the industry calls it, dead name them. They would, you know, the grandson was turning into a granddaughter, had a new name picked out that was a girl's name. Grandma and grandpa would call the house asking for their grandson by his grandson name and they would get cut off. Uh, it's just it's insidious what's happening in the name of, quote unquote, gender affirming care, which is anything but. And we're going to take a, a Another dive into this on the other side of this break. DeadNameDocumentary.com is the website where you can find it. There is a small rental or purchase cost involved right now. But when the movie was launched on Vimeo back in December, it was so popular, but it didn't fly with the politically correct narrative. So Vimeo took it down inexplicably. They said it violated their uh, standards. We'll find out more about this incredible documentary here on this movie Monday. My, com my conversation with Brandon Showalter continues next as the bottom line continues. Brandon Showalter, journalist with the Christian Post and a contributor in this brand new documentary called Dead Name, which the trailer is up at thebottomlineshow.com. You know, it's, it's interesting, Brandon, we were talking before we started the recording here about the, the spiritual implications here and, you know, the truth coming to, to the surface. And I read, it was funny how God kind of leads things in your path. I was going through, I think I was probably uh, zombie scrolling, you know, just because late in the day, kind of like, what, what did I miss? What did I miss? And I came across an article with the uh, the actress Cher talking about her daughter, now son. And the quote that jumped out, the pull quote was, I cried every time I talked to him on the phone because I wanted to hear my daughter's voice. Mm. And I knew I wasn't yeah. going to hear that anymore. And I thought, okay, now here's a woman who's lived a rather promiscuous, risque life out in whatever. And even in the core of who she is as a mother saying, I felt like my daughter died and there was something missing yeah. here. That's what you're hearing from these parents, Christian or non. It really doesn't matter what faith or what your politics are. I hear it's a very human thing. Um, I mentioned in the in the documentary film Dead Name, which uh, you said a moment ago, it actually was scrubbed from its original platform. Vimeo censored it on January 23rd, but and we why got did, it back. Well, yeah, why because did, they said it was hate speech or hate, hate hateful speech. conduct conduct policy. Yeah, and then it was immediately within a few hours. You can still see the film on DeadNameDocumentary.com, which is where everyone can go see it. And I would urge everyone to do that. But it's a very human thing to want to hear your son or your your your, your daughter's voice, especially because testosterone causes mm. the vocal cords to thicken and mm. to the voice register deepens, and you don't get that back. I mean, I, I've heard some detransitioners they get some of their voice back, but it's it's mm -hmm. it's a very likely a permanent change. Um, but people had no, I say this in Dead Name in the movie, in the documentary, that people had no grid or paradigm for what this would do. We know that, you know, our sex, our biological sex is an integral part of who we are. It can never be changed. It's encoded in every, you know, in the DNA of the nucleus of every single cell. 
it is not something that you can just yeah, change with hormones or surgery. This, those are just cosmetic and hormonal changes of the body at a very fundamental level. You, you just, you can't alter it. And the fact that share and, you know, right-wing evangelical Christians who could not probably be more different in how they look at the world, want to hear their children's voice as they really are. It just shows how this is such an attack on our humanity. This is, um, this is not good science. This is not a medically ethical, ethical thing to do to the human body, certainly not to a child. Um, but it's a very human thing. And I think dead name, which again, it profiles three families that have been torn apart by this, is a very um, humanizing, the way the filmmaker has described it, intimate portrait glimpse into what this is really like, what families really go through. Um, and these are voices we haven't heard much from, certainly in the legacy press, though some of that is just now starting to change with regard to some scrutiny of what's what this mass experiment has been about. It's interesting to hear when we talk about this, Brandon Joe Walter is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about the new documentary called Dead Name. The trailer's up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's interesting to hear that even the legacy media now is beginning to look at this and saying, well, we thought it was, I mean, I, I'm I'm going to use an example and I, and I don't mean to offend Brandon. So if I do say something that <laughs> comes across the wrong way, please you know, bring me in line. But if you've ever seen like a TikTok video where someone takes their dog to the groomer and they have the dog made up to look like a zebra or something and they go, oh, isn't that cute? You know, look at my dog, he looks like a zebra. I get the sense, no disrespect intended, that for a lot of young people, that's kind of the way they're looking at it too. Oh, you know, I, I don't, don't fit in with being with a girl and I like to play video games. And so I think I'll just become a guy. I mean, it seems like they're back in the sixties when Johns Hopkins was first touting this as saying, you know, they meet with mm -hmm. a psychiatrist, et cetera, et cetera, that people went through years of testing and counseling and things like that. And now it seems like you've got like one of the kids in the movie, you have a four-year-old boy whose preschool teacher says, hey, you know what? I think you're really a girl. And yeah. next thing you know, here comes Planned Parenthood with hormone blockers. And uh, it's it's just, it's a Orwellian nightmare. Yeah, it really is. And I think your, it, your zebra and animal analogy really isn't so far off because this is a social contagion. And uh, I don't even understand why this is legal from, you know, marketing. Right you know, rules and advertising authority, that kind of thing where these, sometimes there's these surgeons who do trans surgeries on minors advertise to young people on TikTok and other mm. social media platforms where you would wow. think, I mean, I've seen, uh, this is this is gross, but I've actually seen, I think it's been taken down. There was some sort of intervention with the Canadian authority where a, a famous surgeon up in Canada, Giancarlo McEvenue was holding up two medical waste buckets that said breast tissue on it. It's so gross oh. and exhibitionist. It's so oh. disgusting. But yes, these children are sold these alternative gender identities as though this is the pathway to authenticity. Um, and they're, they're not really, they're certainly not understand, capable of understanding the long-term risks to their health. They'll, they'll be rendered sterile. Uh, I don't know if Planned Parenthood supplies puberty blockers. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they did, but they're definitely in on the cross-sex hormone, you okay. know, their push. And uh, I, there's probably surgery referrals happening through there. But I've, it's it's easy peasy to get cross-sex hormones. Uh, one case in the Dead Name movie, there's a mother who's profiled her daughter through a telehealth consultation with no psychiatric evaluation or counseling was able to obtain the hormone within one visit. I mean, just so quickly, there's no check on this. There's no safeguards. 
And yes, um, the psychiatrist Paul McHugh, who shut down this gender experimentation at Johns Hopkins, you know, some decades ago, that has since been reinvigorated. And John Money, the guy who at Hopkins back in the 60s basically sowed the seeds for this gender movement we have now, his work has basically been reinvigorated. That used to be a great source of shame for Johns Hopkins, but now it's as though it's celebrated. It's just everything's inverted, it seems. My biomedical ethics is just collapsed. Incredible, incredible. Brandon Showalter, journalist with the Christian Post, is with me today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about the role that he plays. He's one of the experts who is cited in this brand new documentary called Dead Name, which is a reference to if someone is transitioning from, say, male to female, if you refer to them as he or by their masculine name, that's referred to as a as dead naming the person. And it's seen as a, a sign of huge disrespect. And yet, Brandon, I, I got to know, I've gotten to know Laura Beth Perry, you know, Laura uh, Perry Smaltz mm -hmm. over the past couple of years. And she shared with our bottom line listeners what her story is like. And matter of fact, I last time I saw her was about a year ago, it was a couple months before <laughs> her wedding, where she's now a happily married woman and a stepmom yeah. and just loving life. And I remember she looked at me and she said, can you believe that I'm excited about buying a wedding dress? But, you know, she said, if I had $100,000 at my disposal or my insurance would have covered it, I would have kept going. More and more people are coming back and saying, wait a minute, what was I thinking? You know, Laura's comment to me was, you know, I the reason I was so into the transgender transition was because everybody I hung out with was transgender. So, of course, they were very supportive. Mm -hmm. As more and more people are seemingly I, using the uh, terminology from the parable of the prodigal son, as more of these people who have started to transition are kind of coming to their senses and detransitioning, what hope is there that you see on the horizon? I mean, are, are there more success stories? And the only place they're finding about it is by following you in the Christian Post? Mm -hmm. Well, I do have a pretty diverse readership now because we've been a publication that's refused to go along with any of the pronoun, you know, right. gaslighting or any of the manipulation of language. So we've got people, regardless of what they believe with respect to faith or their politics, they just appreciate truthfulness. Mm, and so good. there are people that are reading our coverage that wouldn't ordinarily read the Christian Post. Um, but to your question about, you know, people who are coming forward having success, detransitioners really are. Uh, raising their voices more and more now. I think 2022 was a remarkable year where we started to see some coverage of their stories in increasingly mainstream outlets. They, they couldn't be ignored anymore. Uh, what has most encouraged me was just what came out, I believe, last week or the week before, uh, where I was a whistleblower out of a transgender clinic who was a case manager at Washington University, St. Louis, where she yes. talked about, uh, Jamie Reed was her name, mm -hmm. just jaw-dropping, eye-popping article in the Free Press, which is Barry Weiss's new publication, mm -hmm. where she detailed how the doctors pushed this gender medicalization, they strong-armed parents, the kind of incredibly appalling practices that are going on there. If we get about a dozen of those, uh, we're going to see yes. a reckoning like we've never seen before. I'm also encouraged by independent documentary filmmakers like the one we are talking about today. Dead Name, I think, is perhaps the most powerful. I was also a part of Tucker Carlson's film, and that was a great one. But mm -hmm. Dead Name is a, is a film that I really believe in because I think it's it, it shows you the rest of the story. The, the media has run with this narrative that, you know, parents, if to the extent that they highlight them, they just celebrate their child transitioning or whatever. This actually tells you the truth about what families endure. This, this really lets you, sort of gives you an inner window into the thought lives of moms and dads who love their children so much and are willing to do anything for them. And they just wanna keep their children safe, but their voices haven't been heard. And I, I think they really hold the key to turning 
to turning this debate, to turning the tide on this whole ideology. As we've talked about women's sports, we've talked about private spaces and bathrooms and a little bit about the medical issues. But I think when people see um, just how this fractures families um, irreparably in some cases, unfortunately, uh, I think that's a real game changer because everybody, if you're humane, you love your family and you right. don't wanna see it right. torn apart. And I. Yeah. People of all sides, Republican and Democrat, conservative and liberal alike, can identify with that. Yeah, this has nothing to do with your politics. It has nothing no. to do with any of those kind, types of ideologies. This is, do you love your family? Yes, you do. And what happens if a member of your family comes to you, like a woman in my church a couple of years ago who came to our senior pastor and associate pastor at the time and said, my granddaughter is transitioning and she's marrying a woman and she invited me to the wedding. What do I do? Yeah. And, you know, it, 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 she you could tell she was just crestfallen. She was newly widowed. She was just you know, looking. And so I asked her the question. I said, well, who else from the family is going? And she said, no one, no one else in the family is speaking to her. I'm the only mm -hmm. connection she has left. Oh. And I thought, wow. And I, I would imagine, I mean, that's just one story. Um, it, it did wind up like that. There are countless stories like yeah. that. Yeah. And in, in their case, it did have, a, I think, a good godly ending. Literally, the granddaughter came to her senses broke off the engagement. She's oh, wow. transitioning. It was just amazing. But here was this woman saying, look, I really feel I don't want to lose relationship with her. So what do I do? It's a hard, it's a hard thing. Yeah. 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 So watching dead name, what will happen to one of, let's say there's a listener right now, hypothetically, I'm sure there is. And statistically you would uh, vouch for that. Who's listening to us right now and says, that's my story. There's someone in our family who's going through this and it's wreaking havoc on our family. How will a movie like Dead Name help give some, you know, I, I don't want to say ammunition, but I mean, equip our listeners to better understand what those tran the transitioners are going through and how to kind of stay the course without compromising your faith or losing relationship with your, your child or grandchild? Well, I think what the movie does is give these parents a much needed voice. And I, it shows them that they're not alone. Uh, they're, they're, I, I keep saying that there are three families that are profiled. It's sort of the main feature of the, of the film where Helen, Amy, and Bill, their stories are told in some, you know, in depth. But lest anyone be tempted to think that these are just very odd three, you know, Northeastern, you know, families that just have, have just run into some really bad luck or something like that. Uh, as the credits roll, you'll see about five more moms they too, they a smattering of, yeah, I'm dealing with this with my son or my daughter. And so it shows that this is so much more widespread than people know. And so I, what I certainly hope that the film can do is serve as, as an impetus for greater discussion. Like if you can show this in your communities or your churches and say, look, families are hurting so much. These parents are confused, they're divided, their relationships are rupturing. We need to support these parents. Hopefully it can be a tool where people can come together around it and, and find each other and be helped. Um, but again, I, I just think it's important to document for the record. This is a good piece of journalism that um, this ideology is so much more about the very tiny percentage of our population who has some sort of body dysmorphia yes. or who are truly psychiatrically troubled. This is a much deeper and darker and more sinister ideology that ruptures us as human beings on a very fundamental level. Yes. And I think perhaps worst of all is the family suffering because of how it tears apart relationships. We'll, 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 the, this transgenderism is many things, as I often like to say, but one of the main things that it is is a medical scandal and it's an incredibly awful, terrible, horrific medical scandal. I don't wanna downplay that at all. 
but we are only now beginning to start to see just how much this has uh, ripped families to shreds. Mm. And that's not putting it too strongly. This absolutely devastates relationships. Um, it has caused divorces. It has, mm. it ripples, you say the grandmother in your case, it's like every, every generation is affected. This is not limited to just a, right. one individual choice. This, the social costs of this is going to take, uh, I'll, maybe I'll have to write a book about it or something, but <laughs> so, it's going to, that we're only now just beginning to, to deal with that as we start to see it unfold. Brandon, how are you holding up? I'm sure that the, you've gotten for every for every parent or grandparent who writes to you and says thank you for giving us a voice. I'm sure there's some other people who would rather you not write these things and that's putting them. Well, away. it's good. I have a lot of good people praying for me, and I um, I as the way I uh, my, my therapy is I sit down at my piano and I just sing and there you go. I cook some food. I just I, I stay <laughs> I stay close to the Lord and Amen. you know G Jesus is near to the brokenhearted. Yes. Um, He's he, he's he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and my faith has really sustained me Amen. as I've had to confront this darkness. And you do feel like you're staring into the abyss some days. And when parents send you pictures of their children, their mm. bearded daughters, or their disfigured sons, or that you see some really grotesque medical atrocities, you just wonder, God, are you even there? What are you doing? But then he's like, Well, I, I want you to confront this, and we are starting to see some turnaround. And so. I believe that this will soon come to an end, but in the meantime, we're going to keep pushing until this house of cards collapses and not one moment sooner. Well, Brandon, we appreciate the work that you're doing to a calling that you didn't necessarily see coming, but you've you've stepped up and you've stepped into it. And I'm grateful for the work that you're doing at the Christian Post. You'll find Brandon Chilwalter's work at christianpost.com. Do you have a website also we can follow you on or any social media we can link to? Absolutely. ChristianPost.com is where we do all of our print reporting. Um, my Twitter handle is at Brandon M. Show. And as I mentioned, Vimeo scrubbed the film, but do not let that dissuade you because you can absolutely still see it. Um, Dead Name, the movie we've been talking about, is at DeadNameDocumentary.com. D-E-A-D Documentary. D-E-A-D uh, Name, N-A-M-E, Documentary. Dot com. It's a small fee to watch, but it's important to support independent filmmakers because they're filling a very tr crucial truth-telling void that the legacy media has left. Um, no, no, this no, is no. a very, very, very powerful film. I recommend that everybody go see it. Well, we've got the, the trailer up at the bottom line show.com to whet your appetite, but take Brandon's word for it. It's an hour that will change your life. There's no question about it. Brandon Showalter, Dead Name of the Movie, which is up at the bottom line show.com and christianpost.com as well. Brandon, thanks for the work that you're doing and for being with us today here on the bottom line. Thank show. you, Roger. Thank you so much. My, oh my goodness, Brandon, brave man, and I appreciate the work that you do. Uh, we've gotten to know each other over the past couple of years uh, with some phone interviews. It's the first time we actually had a chance to do the face-to-face. -face. Uh, go to myhopenow.com, and uh, we should have this loaded by the end of the program. I know Tamara's going to put the trailer for Dead Name, uh, the documentary, uh, right before you hear my conversation with Brandon. And went on a good 25 minutes or so, one of the longer uh, conversations that we've had. But this issue is so powerful. It's so very important. On the other side of this break, I want to kind of reca recapitulate some of the things that Brandon Showalter and I talked about in this process of dead naming and uh, what is happening in the transgender community with regard to how it's impacting your children and your grandchildren. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. This is an exciting time. We just finished our first movie. We had a great turnout from KBRT, and we want you to know that you're invited to the second one. Those of you who missed it, because we know there's quite a few who would like to have come, it's going to be on February the 25th. It's going to be at the Gem Theater. They're going to have free popcorn, free sodas, and free hot dogs. It's a fun location. It's a fun place to go and take you back 
in time, but really what it does is it's even more fun to get the information because the information that you get can really be vital to where you are now or where you're going to be in five years from now. And so when do you start thinking about retirement? Well, you better start thinking about it now. And and so this will get you ahead of the ball, get you ahead of the curve. We can't emphasize enough that it is really a, for lack of a better word, it's a non-denominational movie. It's just there to give you the facts and let you disseminate how and what you're going to do with your future. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Movie Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. My thanks again to Brandon Showalter, journalist with the Christian Post, for joining me for the past half hour, half hour and change to talk about a new documentary that he is a part of. Uh, we'll put an article up at thebottomlineshow.com uh, from uh, Christian Post uh, talking about this new documentary. It's called Dead Name. And Dead Name basically just is a reference in the LGBTQ community to if someone decides that they're transgender, they start the process of transitioning, they want to be called by their uh, new name. If you refer to them by their old name, they refer to that as dead naming, as if that person's dead to me. And it's it's horrific to, to hear about this. When Laura Beth Perry and I got to know each other a couple of years ago, Laura lived for about nine years as a guy called Jake. And, uh, and I remember her telling me the first time we met, she said, when I told my parents that I was transgender and I was no longer going to be Laura, but I was going to transition into being a guy, she said, they just wept. She said, I knew I broke their heart. And I mentioned just in my conversation with Brandon Showalter, kind of randomly before we had a chance to even put this conversation together, um, reading an article about the actress Cher who said, you know, when her, it's fairly well known that Cher and uh, her husband, Sonny Bono, uh, had a daughter, Chastity, and uh, Chastity didn't want to be a girl. And so she, uh, it was amazing how uh, she went through the transformation process and now she calls herself Chaz and uh, has transitioned to being a man. And here's Cher, you know, rather promiscuous, kind of licentious lifestyle, devil may care, no God or whatever telling a reporter that when I would talk to my daughter on the phone, I wanted to hear my daughter's voice. And I heard this man's voice and it just broke my heart. I cried because my daughter was gone. The, the, I understand the, the feelings that people have when they're experiencing this kind of gender dysphoria, but the narcissism and the self-centeredness that says, well, this is the way I am. Um, when someone asks, well, what do you say to somebody who is experiencing these, these feelings? I, first, I quote Joe Dallas of Genesis Biblical Counseling, who has worked with people in the LGBTQ community, uh, gay and lesbian people who have unwanted same-sex attraction and, and sought him for counseling. And he says, look, I would never tell anybody that their feelings are wrong. They're just your feelings. But there are certain realities. And I also you know, dish it up with a side order of Laura Beth Perry, saying that God spoke to her in a dream one night and she was wrestling, really having second thoughts about the going through with the total transition to female to male. And she said, God just asked her one question. And that was, when I meet you and when I enter you and welcome you into heaven, what name am I calling you? And she said, that really stuck with me because he created me as a woman, she said, and, it, it, and, and it's good that he did. And she was really convicted. But she had parents who, even though they were devastated, they hung in there with her. Laura's story is that she had been working in IT, was a computer programming type, and her mom had a Bible study, a women's Bible study, and her mom reached out to her daughter who was transitioning into a man and asked if you, uh, he would set up the, uh, 
the, the website for them. And so Laura started setting up the website, getting the sermons listed, the Bible study notes and everything. She said, I started doing the Bible studies and all of a sudden God brought me back to him through his word. If you are wrestling with this issue, if there's someone in your family, maybe you have a son or a daughter, maybe you have a grandson or a granddaughter who uh, has reached out to you. I, I, I mention often uh, a woman from my former church who had a granddaughter who was going through this and, and she came into our pastor's office one day just heartbroken. Um, she, there's a happy ending for her story in that uh, her granddaughter decided not to transition after all. But it really alienated the family. Grandma was the only one she had a relationship with. Um, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, I, I want to encourage us as the body of Christ to uh, come before the Lord in prayer for people who are wrestling with this issue, for the people who have these feelings and who are being influenced by these outside influences, and also for the families that are impacted as well. How can we in the body of Christ love well when there's so much gender confusion in the culture? Let's talk about that briefly on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But the first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment. And the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat. And you think, wow, how can I bless someone else? Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of, it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. Welcome back to this bottom line edition of President's Day Movie Monday. My thanks again to Rose Reed, who plays Allie Daniels in the brand new Pure Flix series called A Thousand Tomorrows, based on the Karen Kingsbury novel with the same name. Uh, we've been giving away Pure Flix subscriptions today and grateful to be able to do that. Uh, you know, technically, it's a TV show. I know, and it's Movie Monday, but it's a six episode TV show, so it's kind of like a long movie. Okay. <laughs> There you go. They broke it up into six episodes. Um, 800-227-5278 gets you through for those tickets. Um, and would be remiss if we didn't on Movie Monday also mention Dennis Wilson and the screening of The Baby Boomer Dilemma, which is coming up this Saturday, uh, February 25th, 11.30 a.m., Gem Theater in Garden Grove. Uh, it's a great way to learn about what's happening for baby boomers, which is pensions are disappearing and 401ks and IRAs aren't what they were cracked up to be. But if you want to learn not only how they were, how they came about and how you can recover from whatever damage might have been done to your financial situation because of them, uh, call 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line for a free pair of tickets to go see The Baby Boomer Dilemma with Dennis Wilson this Saturday at 1130 a.m. 
But finally, let's take the last minute or so of our time together and really ponder on what Brandon Showalter shared with us from the Christian Post and what this new documentary, which is not a faith-based movie. This is what makes it so interesting about Brandon's involvement. The director of this documentary is not a Christian. These are just people who are hurting in this transgender confusion where teachers are colluding with students and, and faculty to keep parents and grandparents from knowing the truth and actually having a negative influence on their kids, getting them to transition or try to anyway. Father, there's so much confusion in the world. I lift up every young person right now who's wrestling with the issue of whether or not they're a boy or a girl. I think of Chaz Bono, who shared in an interview not too long ago that when she was a little girl, she used to pray every night to you, she said, that you would make her into a boy when she woke up the next morning. The innocence of children thinking that it's that fluid, and yet even then, 40, 50 years ago, the culture's been trying to say that what God created and said was good with regard to gender, male and female, is somehow fluid. But it's not. I mean, our feelings are fluid, our emotions can be fluid, but our gender, our sex, is something that you established, that you've given to each of us as a gift, and you saw that it was good. So, Father, I pray for healing for the people who are confused by this. I pray for grace and compassion for the people who have family members who are going through this kind of confusion and what kind of havoc it's wreaking on them. But ultimately, Lord, bring about your servants. Bring up from the ashes of the confusion a beautiful and glorious bloom, a fragrance offering to you of what you are redeeming in this world right now. We ask all these things in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And all God's people said, amen. That is good news, and that's the bottom line.